0: At this moment we as a nation are about to touch the stars. I tremble at the honor of announcing the culmination of mankind's long history of intellectual and scientific achievement. Yesterday our power spanned the earth, today it can illuminate the heavens. May it stand forever. Our ziggurat. Cody, we're back. How are how the hell are you, buddy?
1: Oh, great, man. That was a great speech.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I did not do anything of it myself other than, like, copy the subtitles. That's okay. But, but, Cody, we are back for the next episode of Shonen and Suds, and, Cody, we're talking about a movie that I love. I love and forgot that I had loved it. You ever That ever happened to you, Cody? You love something, but you forget that you loved it until... You just bring it up on a whim during another episode of a podcast?
1: I don't know this might be. I don't think I have, but maybe. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, you know me. I'm asking the uh, the hard questions here. And like I said, guys, we are back for the next episode of Shonen and Suds. I'm Chris Adams.
1: And I'm Cody Snodgrass.
0: And today we are covering the Osamu Tetsuka anime classic from 2001 metropolis or Metropolisu, if you're nasty love that (laughs) indeed indeed cody before you know before we uh get into the tale of the tape i think uh i it's you know this is the last podcast of 2020 and i think um what am i trying to say here you know we we typically ask each other what we're drinking but Given the nature of the movie, I think the last cast of 2020 demands a simultaneous crack, and we'll say what we're drinking after that. Are you ready? Very close enough. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, Cody, since you know the the movie, some of the sub things of themes of the movie we're watching deal with like bigotry and racism. We thought it was fitting to enjoy the the weapon against racism of 2020, and Cody, that is the twisted tea.
1: That's right, Chris. Not just any, <sighs> not just any standard oh. old iced tea.
0: <laughs> oh, it is not your mama's iced tea. That's for damn sure. It is lemon kissed gasoline, is what we are drinking here. Oh,
1: that's right, Chris. I think this is actually my first non Anheuser Busch product. <clears throat>
0: It is. It is. That's a big move for you. That's a. That's a good way to like in the year. Really coming out of your, uh, <laughs> yeah. out of your comfort zone there. But again, fitting for the times.
1: That's right, Chris. Of course, we've all been seeing the memes on Facebook and Twitter and everywhere else.
0: hmm And I have been. Uh, I am, of course, drinking the half and half
1: little almer Ar, what is it, arnold palmer that's what little
0: called? arnold palmer action absolutely
1: that's right and i'm drinking just just your standard old twisted tea the just OG. the
0: original ass beater huh that's
1: right the original one that smacked that douche across the face
0: <laughs> oh, right right in the fucking chops love that beautiful and then he proceeded to get punched so if you haven't seen that video i highly recommend just just you could literally google twisted tea ass beating and it'll come up if you haven't seen it yet.
1: That's right. And there's many great edits to it. There's, It's all. Oh, my
0: God. The all of them are, are solid gold.
1: It's pure gold. But Speaking of solid gold, Chris.
0: Yes. We are watching. And like I said, we're watching Metropolis. Again, before we dive in, Cody, I, I really. I felt a certain way watching this movie. This, This is a movie, Cody. Like when I was watching this last night, it reminded me. This is a movie that reminds me why I like anime why I've always had anime like just why I've always had it in my blood to enjoy it this this is one of those movies this is one of those cornerstone movies that like like defines me as an anime fan and what and I'm all I'm very angry at myself that until we had talked it up a couple episodes ago like I I I don't know I can't remember we'll have to go back and listen to it I forgot what we were talking about I think we're just talking about eight man and all these classic movies um like Astro, I think talking about Astro Boy is what brought it up because Tesuka Tezuka uh, created Astro Boy, and the art style of this movie is very clearly that, you know, his signature art style. Um, but yeah, and like immediately when I talk, I was like, oh my God, this movie's amazing. And unlike Samurai Champloo, I think this shit still holds up.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, although Samurai Champloo's animation and music hold up the story obviously mm-hmm. i don't oh, think it yeah. does but uh this this has a pretty pretty good story in my opinion
0: yeah i, I think it's the total package um <clears throat> the art stands up the music is top notch um and the story is it's classic storytelling so with that being said cody um we'll go ahead and, excuse me oh i got the, the old fucking twisted t-burps right off the back <laughs> i'm ready to go punch a racist i don't know what's going on here <laughs> But we're going to go ahead and dive right in, and we're going to go ahead and start with a tale of the tape here. Um, So like I said, this movie uh, was released um, May 26, 2001. It is uh, created by – it's based on the manga Metropolis that was written by Osamu Tezuka. Um, Now, his manga was actually inspired by the 1927, I believe, is the, uh, the year the silent film came out. Uh, it's a German silent film by Fritz Lang called Metropolis. Um, now, from what I understand, Osamu Tetsuka had never seen the movie; he had just like seen the movie poster, um, and that inspired him to write the manga, which has nothing to do with the uh, the German film. They do they don't really share any plot elements at all, other than like the only thing they really share is like the name and the location.
1: Yeah, that that's all I could gather from it, at least.
0: Yeah, that's really it. But the movie actually is kind of an amalgamation of the two. It shares some plot elements and a lot of the societal elements of the, the 1927 movie. But it also has some of the plot points of the uh, manga. Really, the big one being the main character being a robot, but not knowing they're a robot. But also kind of being the core of this massive, like, planetary destruction weapon that they also don't know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very much an amalgamation of the two. So, yeah, um, May 26, 2001. Um, now, from what I understand, uh, you know, when we're looking at the fine, the because fi- the movie was critically acclaimed across the board, it got... Uh, great great reviews by american critics uh japanese critics but it seems like it didn't perform well just based on just based on what we're looking at here um it looks like it had a budget of a billion yen but only made 750 million yen in japan and 4 million uh in north america but what is um
1: yeah and i'm not sure like all the conversion rates on from yen to dollar but like
0: we're gonna take a look it Uh, seems like
1: it either broke even or like maybe just a little bit under the budget
0: uh, let's see. Four million. Um, four million dollars. Looks like it's about four hundred and fourteen million yen. Okay, so it it
1: made it it broke even at least. Um, okay.
0: Yeah, so but, it cut it close.
1: Yeah, definitely cut it close. Um, which I think back in at this point in time, like we they weren't expecting an animated film to do even that really. Um,
0: yeah. No. Absolutely.
1: This came out what right before Spirited Away.
0: I believe so. Um, let me look at the,
1: cause spirit away is really the one that like opened up anime to a, like a widespread yeah, audience. Spirited
0: away was 2002 actually. Okay, okay 2002. So yeah, this was definitely out before that. So yeah, I know I agree with you. Uh, spirited away was what kind of broke, at least in my opinion, uh, is what kind of broke the mold for anime movies to really start getting a lot of like, I guess, theatrical respect for lack of a better way to put it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is kind of unfortunate because there's a lot of great films that came before it. Absolutely. Um, that don't get the recognition. Like this, for instance, I don't think. I had never even heard of it. And obviously, I knew, mm-hmm. I knew a spirited away when I was a little kid. So, like.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate well, I, that,
1: like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This movie doesn't get the recognition it really deserves.
0: No, I agree. I agree. And uh, before we get into like the, the nitty gritty of what the movie's about, I. 100% urge anybody who's a fan of anime and has never heard of or seen this movie I highly recommend watching it um, and this is one of those movies that is very very—it the, the American voice acting is great and the original Japanese voice acting is also fantastic from stem to stern um, from assholes to elbows it's all great. <laughs> Um, but also, too, Cody, there's a lot of other big names attached to this, uh, the, the, the movie adaption. Uh, the screenplay is written by Katsuhiro Otomo. Uh, the, big, the, the big thing that he's known for, uh, this is the guy who wrote Akira. So that's all. I mean, that's that's some high class chops right there.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and the, the movie was directed by Rentaro. Um, now, the reason that's important, there's there's three animes uh, when I hear this name, uh, the first one being Neo Tokyo. That's another collaboration with uh, Katsuhiro Otomo. It's um, it, it, it's almost I want to say Neo Tokyo, if I remember it correctly, it's like a lot of short stories that take place in, well, Neo Tokyo, which also I think is how uh, Akira, uh, like Akira was kind of born out of that, mm. uh, that Neo Tokyo kind of short story compilation Um, uh, Galaxy Express 999 is another one, slightly obscure, but it was one that I was very familiar with when I was younger, and the one that I, this is another one that I feel really bad about not remembering until recently, uh, X1999, um, which Cody is also one of my nominations um, for, not this week, not this next one, but for the one after because we'll talk about what we're doing next time, but X1999 Is a fantastic anime, and if that one, and we'll talk more about that one if it gets nominated. But uh, that's what I'm probably going to keep nominating until it actually wins, Um, (laughs) because it's really, really good.
1: Yeah, like like you said before the podcast, you said I probably wouldn't have heard of it, and uh,
0: was I correct? Absolutely. Uh, Beautiful, 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 beautiful.
1: Now, if this is correct, what I'm. Mm -hmm reading uh it looks like rentaro also worked with tezuka on like kimba the white lion also yep your mastro boy yep, obviously we mentioned that
0: yep those are kind of the osama azamu tezuka's um you know bread and butter so there's and um and i want to say rentaro also worked with katsuhiro otomo on neo tokyo so like these three aren't just you know this wasn't just like you know, a, you know, they just took like Don Henley, put him on the drums and all of a sudden you've got a super group like <laughs> these guys, you know, work together um, and have worked together on multiple projects. So like this is a master class in anime, you know, e- e- and not just for 2001, but fucking every decade before it and every decade since. Um, so. With that being said, Cody, I don't know about you, but I'm, let's go ahead and dive in. And again, uh, you know, we're as always, we're talking spoilers. So if you haven't seen Metropolis, you know, you can stop here and just come back and watch it. You know, come back and listen to this after you watch it. Or, fuck it, throw caution to the wind. You know, listen to what we have to say and see if it's something that really floats your boat.
1: That's right, Chris. Uh, I'm, I'm tossing you the keys this time. Uh, I'm,
0: I, I have start skiing, hutched across uh, the hood of the car. I am in the driver's seat. You better get in and buckle up or I'm going to leave without you.
1: That's right. I'm, I got my road soda, twisted tea.
0: Oh, that's right. The old fucking, <laughs> is it brown bagged up?
1: <laughs> you know it.
0: Love that. Love that. But So we're going to go ahead and dive on in. Uh, the movie opens up um, with that speech that I had said uh, the... The main, uh, I guess, antagonist, uh, whose name Duke Red, um, is giving a commencement speech for the creation of this massive monolithic building known as the Ziggurat. Um, so after he concludes his speech, you, we start to get this large pan up um, of not of not only this building, but you start to see the scope of this building compared to this massive city of Metropolis, um, and there appears to be a massive celebration commemorating its completion we're talking fireworks crowds are gathered um it's it's where you are to be and we're greeted immediately cody with this great like new orleans style jazz which is consistent throughout the whole movie the i can't stress enough how killer the soundtrack to this movie is
1: yeah definitely like really helps set the tone um
0: very much, very much sets it. I'm glad you said it like that because also too, considering that the source materials from like the 20s and the, and like the 40s, this movie all across, all throughout has this this tone of if you've ever seen any work of science fiction of like like from the turn of the 20th century up through like the 60s, this movie carries all of that aesthetic and it's just such a neat thing. It's just it's it's just so beautiful to see done in this beautiful animation but so from there uh, you start to see other characters and uh, Duke red is actually surrounded by other uh, politicians um, but while what you start what the people at this uh this celebration party this is where you start to get kind of the backdrop of what's happening you get you you understand that robots are actually a, an, an integrated part of society but there's humans that don't care for robots. You know why, Cody? Why is that, Chris? Because they Turk their gerbs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they Turk <took> our gerbs.
0: <laughs> they Turk the But, but that that's actually a major. That's uh probably the the backbone of the Metropolis story. Like the they these people in this city li- live in a pretty. It's a pretty. I guess what, what's the word? What am I trying to say here? Just a pretty. In, uh, it's a solidified set, like caste society. You know, there's different levels. You have your elites, and you have your poor. Like the elites are the people that, you know, they're the ones who run the city. They're your politicians. They're your business owners. And you know, blue collar, pretty much all of those jobs, all of your laborer jobs, your your John Q. public jobs, have all been pretty much taken by robots. And and like the people are pretty resentful over that. Like they're living in poverty while this fucking vacuum cleaner robots just cleaning up the streets. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, definitely. You can definitely see there's like levels to it. Literally. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like the high, and we'll, and... the skyscrapers have like the rich and the, with their fancy robots, uh, depending on what level robot they are, of course. Uh,
0: no, absolutely. And then,
1: and then there's like the underground, um,
0: Yep, the different underground zones, which are, like, essentially the slums, right?
1: That's right,
0: yeah. Yep, and so during this party, and again, you start hearing these murmurings. um, Duke Red is the, uh, pretty much the, I want to say he is the leader of the Marduk party, um, which, we're we're getting real heavy into politics here, and there are people that want, that really want Duke Red to run for office. They want him to be president, because they think he can he can kind of clean up the streets and get rid of this resentment between the humans and robots. Um, and you really get the vibe right off the bat. Cause you, you're introduced to uh, president Boone uh, minister of state skunk. And I cannot remember the other guy's names. I, I, I feel bad about that. Cause uh, when they're, when they're talking at this party, a reporter asked if there's a, there's a rumor that the, um, the ziggurat is actually a military weapon, but they, they, quickly, like, brush that guy off. So, Cody, you know what that tells me? Uh, The Ziggurat's a fucking military weapon. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) You you don't just brush off something that important right off the bat without it being true. Um, And then from there, we're actually introduced to our two main characters, because while they're out in the crowd, uh, a spotlight shines on uh, one of the buildings, and you see the symbol of the Marduk party. Uh, Marduk Marduk or Marduk, you know, potato, potato. Mm -hmm. Um. And then from there, we're introduced to the chief of security of the Marduk party, because we see there's a robot that had actually put this mark on the um, on the spotlight. And from there, we're introduced to the chief of security of the Marduk party. And his name is Rock. And of course, he uh, goes ahead and just takes care of this robot, uh, quote unquote, terrorist. um, And gets that symbol off the spotlight, like really just trying to not have anything to ruin this celebration Um, But these characters are all intertwined because like in the very next scene, um, you find out that Rock is essentially adopted by Duke Red Um, because he Rock refers to him as father. And he's like, don't you know, I'm not your father. I, I found you in the streets after the last war. So we're already looking at Metropolis here. Again, there's there's so much depth to the backstory. There's so much in what they don't tell you in this movie, which I absolutely love Um, because like, so you got to figure like this cast society was probably like the, the elite probably got their wealth off the back, off the backs of, you know, a war initiate, you know, a a war initiative, which, you know, believe it or not, a lot of politicians get their money off of uh, backing wars. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of some, some real world parallels here.
1: Yeah, definitely. And the main thing to take here, Chris, is that Rock has daddy issues, you know?
0: Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> Fucking daddy issues. I mean, I'm surprised he's not blowing people in bus stations with like that level of daddy issues. Um, But also in this scene, we're introduced to another character, a Dr. Lawton, and he's having a conversation with Duke Red. And he's like, hey, I thought you said she was going to be ready tonight. Um. And of course, he's like, "I need a little more time." She's almost finished. We don't know really what they're referring to. Um, And Duke Red's—he's—he's kind of pissed. He was really hoping whatever this she is was going to be ready the same night that the that the Ziggurat was being christened. Um, So he's pretty much like, "Well, I'll be by." I'm tired of your excuses. I'm gonna be by tonight. And that's when Rock comes in and lets him know about the uh, the the robot that had put the the thing and that's when you find out he's you know daddy issues and then we're going you know and we're going from there just kind of right in um this movie does not move at a, uh, a breakneck speed for it being you know an hour and 40 minutes but what it does do in between the character scenes is kind of just give us these really great um cityscapes um you throughout the city you're hearing duke uh red Sp- i, I want to keep calling him duke lark for some reason <laughs> the 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 final fantasy uh character is uh getting to me there but you're you're hearing these constant um like you're hearing his speech played on pas and people are going around the streets um but we're going back here to our main characters um detective bond and his nephew kenichi um Detective Bond is a he is a, a private uh, not a private but he's an investigator from Japan who's here looking for Doctor Lawton. Um, he's actually wanted uh, uh, for trafficking human organs, and this was the last place he was seen before he disappeared. So once again, we, we know now uh, you know we knew something was up before when they were talking about it being a military weapon. We've literally just seen the person this guy's looking for with Duke Red. Yeah, this so, you
1: know, Doctor Latin he actually like reminds me a lot of Doctor Robotnik. If anybody's yes. ever played like Sonic or like Eggman, however you want to call him, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. He just has, he looks exactly like him in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and here uh, Detective Bond is paired up with a robot detective here uh, in Metropolis. Um, it, I've, I got to get his serial number down. It's like. DRP 2 D-2-9, what, uh, what the fuck ever.
1: Yeah, and he will not accept a human name.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, so, you're, again, you're kind of getting some more um, of just some of, of the backstory of this city and just how much there is between humans and robots. A, how integrated robots are into society, but yet how much of a dislike and a distrust. So his serial number is, I actually have it pulled up here, it is um, I'm, I'm getting it now because my computer decided to stop. It's eight hundred three DRP DM four nine seven three C. And what's really cool about this scene is uh, Kanichi. Like he comes in the door and he's like, he actually extends his hand, like, "Hi, I'm Kanichi. What's your name?" And that's when he gives it, rattles off that serial number. And it's almost like he he's not used to being treated that way like like a person almost and he re- almost like reluctantly put gives his hand back to shake it uh to Kanichi, which it, it lets you it, it kind of tells you I guess in Japan I, I guess in other cities and countries like this this bigotry between robots and humans really isn't the same it almost seems kind of exclusive to Metropolis
1: yeah it definitely gives off that vibe <clears throat> and also like while all these like scenes are going on you mentioned before that they're they're playing like Duke Red's um, speeches over like the PA systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also getting like these incredible, at least some of the, the best animation in the film, in my opinion, maybe yes. o- outside of the ending. Um, but mm-hmm. it's like these incredible, like, like I, I I don't know how to describe it, but like the whole cityscape, like you're really.
0: <clears throat> yep, shun- the hustle and bustle on the streets. There's cars moving at various levels, uh, people and robots throughout the street um and again also in that speech you're also getting some things about how metropolis kind of came to be so you you really have to pay attention to almost everything that's happening in this movie to get the full story um and while and what's really cool is while they're talking here um this is where uh detective bond is like hey man is there something else we can call you something a little bit easier and he's like well my name is 804309 and he's like uh um, you know, is there something we can call you? And that's when he's like, well, I'm going to name you Pero. I'm just going to start calling you Pero." Mm-hmm. And Kenichi's like, "That that's that's a dog's name. And he's like, well, yeah, but I had a dog named Pero. He was a good dog. <laughs> so, so it's almost like he, like Detective Bond means well, mm-hmm. but it's like he, I, I think there's still these kind of contrived, like these low, like these, 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 I guess these biases and these kind of bigotry, uh, this bigoted um, thoughts that are just kind of ingrained in people, even though maybe in Japan, it's not like it is here. It's just that it, a sign of the times for lack of a better word. doesn't make it any better.
1: Um, mm-hmm. in
0: fact, you know, I'd like to think you get a twisted T to the face, uh, for, <laughs> for talking like that.
1: Sure do Chris. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the big thing here is, so they're looking for Dr. Lawton, but, um, Pero will we'll now be referring to him as Pero. Pretty much for the rest of the the, the episode, um, he's like, "There's if 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 this is who you're looking for, I'm pretty sure he's not here. There's really nowhere he could be hiding. There, there like the control in this place is it's very very tight. But this is where Bond is like, "Well, I mean, I have like reliable information that he's here." So this is where he's like, well, OK, well, if he is hiding here, hypothetically, the best place he would the best place for him to hide would be zone one. And this is where we start to see the, the layers to Metropolis, because right now we're still on the surface level. You're seeing nicely dressed people, um, the hustle. It, it's very big city, like you're in the middle of like New York or, you know, Los Angeles or just a, a real big city that has some clout and some swank to it. But Cody, put on your coveralls because we're we're going to we're going deep in the trenches of pretty much the slums here.
1: Yeah, we're going we're going underground, Chris. We're going under that Sector Seven plate.
0: That's right. We're going <laughs> that's right to the slums of Midgar here, and it and you immediately like what I really like here is the animation does a really good job of changing the atmosphere. Like everything is bright and sunny. Like Metropolis is just like. It's beautiful on the surface level, but it's like smoggy and grungy and trash everywhere and lots of greens and dark colors to kind of just convey the atmosphere of these underground sectors. Um, again, really, really masterful animation. It's like, the, like this, this is a movie I firmly believe that this could be a, like we could watch this movie as a silent movie and it would tell you everything you need to know through its animation.
1: Mm-hmm yeah um, definitely they definitely have a tone change here like it's a whole new world under underground
0: indeed and now we duke red as he said before he was going to come to dr lawton's lab which is this massive extensive laboratory with uh, all kinds of tubes and platforms and computers and you know like but what I really like is it again. It goes back to that old school sci-fi feel. Everything almost it almost kind of has like a, a neo steampunk kind of vibe to it. Um, but he's here to see to pretty much see if what he was looking to be finished. Essentially, the core of the Ziggurat. Um, so, and this is where you kind of get that tie into Doctor Lawton being wanted for human trafficking because um, he's asking about human organs. But he's like, oh, no, 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 no. There's no no human parts in her. She's 100% synthetic. Um, but he's worried um, that she's still unstable. Um, and that's kind of the big thing here. Um, pardon me.
1: Yeah, we, we, we find out who this she is, Chris. We find out that this is actually like a recreation that's modeled and named after uh, Duke after. Red's deceased daughter, Tima.
0: Um. Yep, and uh, well, and also, and Doctor Lawton is—he's very reluctant to give her to Duke Lark. He's very worried that she's unstable, um, which very much plays into later. And of course, he's—you know—after you know Duke Lark still insists that he's like she'll be ready by the end of the week, I promise him. But of course, he's like I'm not giving her to you. Know. Doctor Lawton seems like he has his own kind of agenda. Yeah, he basically—he
1: wants no, to like no. run away with her, basically.
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, because this is kind of a masterful creation here, and I mean, she, she's 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 a weapon is the you know, the best way to put it. She is, she is a very unstable um, creation, but you know, as Duke Red is leaving the laboratory, we see uh, someone like uh like the Cape Crusader, uh, just brooding from high above. We see uh, Rock uh, watching him leave the laboratory. Which um, now he goes ahead and pops on into the laboratory and, well, pretty much asks Dr. Lawton, you know, what the fuck is that? You yeah. know, I'm not going to allow you to trick my father with, with, with these with these robots, these creations. So he comes in and, well, like, like a twisted T to the face. Cody, we're going to make that reference a lot, too. <laughs> like a twisted T to the face, he fucking blows Dr. Lawton away and proceeds to just, with it, with his old fucking hand cannon just proceeds to just start shooting everything in the lab
1: yeah he basically sets fire to, to the laboratory he shoots lawton um uh, it's basically just like a little sibling jealousy because like like he, he doesn't want to get like you know overshadowed by like a new robot sister basically
0: <laughs> yep and this also kind of lets us know too that like rock does not like robots either um which also kind of makes sense in the Martin with the whole idea behind the Marduk uh, Marduk party. Um, It seems like there is no loss, uh, love loss for robots. And we'll start to see that more throughout the, uh, the movie here, but Dr. Lawton's dying. Uh, Tima is starting to activate here. She's actually coming to life. As it were, you see her eyes open up, you see hair start to grow on top of her head. Um, And before the lab explodes, rock, uh, rock runs off and somebody actually sees him running off um that's somebody you will know, we'll come back to, to to them later um and we're actually greeted to a really cool scene here we see these cool like fire robots like coming through the, de- the the lower areas and you um you know while the detectives and kenichi are looking for information they start following the the robots and the people you know, clearly there's some kind of commotion
1: mm-hmm. yeah they kind of form a like a firefighter megazord out here.
0: Oh dude, it's so great, <laughs> isn't it? Like this is really really cool. And again, this this kind of goes back to <clears throat> the efficiency of like these guys stealing people's jobs. Like you like, I don't think a bunch of fighter, firefighters forming like a human pyramid like a cheerleader is going to help put a fire out where in this case it helps an awful lot that these robots can do this.
1: Yeah, we see kind of like the a little bit more of the backlash from like the 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 humans underground. And I think Pero, he's trying to like calm down. He's like, "Don't worry, the the firefighters will be here," meaning mm-hmm. like the robotic ones, of course.
0: Uh. Exactly.
1: But yeah, well, yeah. So
0: like these these real subtle nods really bring this movie to life, or these, these just these it's, the background dialogue tells so much of the story, and I fucking love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they also, too, while this is going on, they actually see um in the window they see somebody like moving, and so he um uh bon actually runs into the the burning building um and he has kanichi um fuck he has him like run off uh run off somewhere else to do something but where kanichi um actually runs into Tima and she's like glowing bright white when he sees her
1: yeah um, yeah he like, him like run, not he, being he afraid he, he like runs around to the back door the- basically and uh th- this is where yeah. we i can't remember if this is where we get the the cover photo for the movie Depending on which movie or like which cover you have, mm-hmm. um, but like, not
0: quite yet. Uh, that's that's when they uh, that's um when they emerge from where they're at now. Because oh
1: yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. My bad, my bad. You're good. Oh, that's
0: all right. But that's all right because I mean, you're like me. Sometimes you just get ahead. But so he uh, Kanichi just without really hesitating covers Tima up with his jacket. Uh, Bond actually finds Doctor Lawton who's still clinging to life a little bit. And uh, Dr. Lawton's wanting him, like, he, he needs his diary. He has this book on this table that, you know, he points to. And I like the transition, how the screen just kind of closes in on it before it cuts back to uh, Kanichi and Tima. And they actually get caught in the, um... Uh, they, um they get caught under some rubble? Yeah, it's like the, the, floor,
1: the floor basically collapses um, under them. Right. And they fall to, like, the sewer... Like, even further down in the slums.
0: Yep. And so the next day, um, we get a scene with um, with Rock and Duke Red where, you know, he's telling Duke Red, hey, uh, Dr. Lawton's lab exploded. I don't know what's going on. Uh, uh, nobody lived. There was just charred remains of uh, uh, bodies. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, Rock really just trying to throw the scent off of him. And Duke Red is none too happy about it.
1: Yeah, and then we flash back to like our main our main cast. We got Shunsaku, who's uh, he's almost very casually searching for Kenichi. Like it almost seems like he's not searching for him.
0: Oh, dude, he's such a shitty uncle, isn't he? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> like I'm even looking at I'm, I'm reading like through some of the like the Wikipedia plot, and I'm like, it says well, Shunsaku like Ban, as you were referring to him, like while he searches for his nephew, I'm like, this guy is not really searching. He's like sitting talking with Peril, like. About what's been going on, but like they're not like putting signs up or anything. Like,
0: <laughs> no, it's like, <laughs> it's like ah, I went I went to go get something to eat. He wasn't there, so I ate. Then I went to a baseball game. He wasn't there, so I watched baseball. Then I went here and he wasn't there, so I've been looking for him. He just hasn't been anywhere that I've been.
1: Right, um, and while <laughs> while all that's going on, uh, Kenichi and Tima, they basically, they're trying to make their way back to the street level. Um, mm-hmm. And
0: this is where uh, we get that symbol because they're, uh, you know, you see Tima kind of looking up uh, through, you know, a sewer grate kind of thing. And this is where you see, like, the this beautifully animated scene with, like, her hair kind of flowing in the wind. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's kind of looking up at the light. Like, this is all brand new to her. So, like, she's just in full-on discovery mode. And, like, this... This animation, like the way it's animated, like really just shows like the sense of wonder that she has, and we're also introduced to a fun character named Fifi. Um, because Kanichi's still out cold, um, so Fifi's like trying to w- and just dumps a bucket of water on him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fifi's um, kind of like the the friendly ro- ro- robot.
0: Yeah, uh, it looks like uh, some sort of like garbage collecting robot or some kind of just scal- uh salvaging scavenger robot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like tries to bring them some like rotten food, but obviously, they can't eat that. And uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, well, unless you're Tima, of course, because she just wolfs down like a rotten—I don't even know what it is, like a cherry or something, some kind of fruit.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we're back here, um, back here in Zone One. So Rock is back here at the the laboratory remains. Um, looking, he's pretty much looking for traces of Tima. Like he he thinks he thinks that she's still alive he's like you know that that was a su- that robot super sophisticated i don't care how devastating this fire is there would be something left behind of her some kind of metallic skeleton or something so um so he's just uh so he's still kind of looking and making sure that everything is there um and then it goes to the next scene where pretty much bond and perro were talking about rock they're like you know he's young but he's actually he's like duke red's right hand man he is you know, he is not to be trifled with. You know, He's pretty cold. And then they start talking more about the Marduk party and um, how Duke Red is kind of like the, the financier of the Marduk party. Very World War II-ish in that regard.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because isn't the Marduk uh, and, party, they're like a vigilante group who's like, they're like against, yes. almost against robots or like they're against like...
0: Oh, um, they're, they're just straight up against robots yeah, yeah no, well, absolutely
1: like rock obviously is um,
0: mm-hmm. yeah no you you're hit the nail right on the head they are a, a vigilante group with you know some political pull mm-hmm. um, and then from here um, we see rock um, kind of wondering where the where the sewer leads and that's where you're like well well it leads to zone two so rock uh, rock, rock is definitely sharp here um, so he knows that they've most likely escaped further into the bowels of the city um so the next scene we go back to Tima and Kenichi and this is this is this is one of my favorite scenes where he's kind of teaching her um well he's asking who she is and Tima just kind of regurgitates it back and he's like no 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 like you know you refer to yourself as I I am you you am I and he kind of confuses himself trying to teach her so like you have a really neat little um kind of person out of uh person out of time kind of a uh, moment here where he's essentially teaching her how to speak or try how to understand language so r- really really neat scene and I, I like how like i don't know i don't want to i don't want to use the word free spirit but like kenichi's very much like he doesn't even bother to think that he saw this person was glowing buck ass naked when he found her and now he's just sitting here teaching. Like he he has like the innocent. Like he's a child, so he still has that innocence. And Tima also is a child, so they they have this like I don't know this 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 childlike innocence and bonding that they're doing. And this is where uh, Fifi actually brings them the the rotten food, which mm-hmm. you know again Kenichi, very polite. He's like you know hey I, I appreciate you doing that, but we can't eat this dog.
1: Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the team of course she wolfs down some of it um,
0: oh of course
1: and basically neither of them realize at this moment that she's actually a robot um, mm-hmm. but Chris well, that's, that's when our uh, our old buddy rock he gets like he's got like a I don't know what he's it's like a guide basically showing him where the mm-hmm. sewer leads to yep and uh rock sees sees our group of uh, com- companions and uh pretty much just immediately starts opening fire.
0: Oh yeah, that 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 is his. That is what he does in this movie. When he sees something he doesn't like, he just he fucking has that thing on his hip, pulls yeah. it up with the quickness of a tweet of, of a twisted T, and just opens fire every fucking time. I think we've seen him fire his gun like three times in this movie already.
1: Yeah, he is a shoot first, ask questions probably never. Like just just shoot. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs>
0: That's right. It is his pocket sand.
1: Yeah, even um, like he even kills the guy that's with him. That's like showing him like where the sewer leads to.
0: Yeah, he's like, yeah, hey, not give
1: a shit. You, you can't shoot down here. He's like, all right, <laughs> watch me. You're gone.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's a yeah, Rock's kind of a dick here. Um, now this next scene is kind of you know the the straw that stirs the drink. This is where we start seeing what the Ziggurat actually is. Um, so. You know, what it does is it irradiates the surface with like an electromagnetic, f- again, this is where it gets, you know, I, I'm not a science guy, but what it's supposed to do is it's it's not, it doesn't have an impact on humans, but what it does is it affects the robots. Um, so you immediately kind of get the vibe that this is part of a bigger plot, and we we kind of see all this come to fruition later. Um, so they're doing a small little test, and they... they um, What happens during this test is all the robots just start going fucking berserk. They just start malfunctioning. They just start acting very erratically. And this allows, like, it's during, like, crowded streets. And they start, you know, smashing out windows. So, like, the Marduk party comes in, guns blazing, and just starts gunning down all these robots in the middle of the street. And what I do like here is, like, they're not even telling people to get down. They're just rolling up on the sidewalk and just blowing people away.
1: Oh yeah, the Marduk party they do they don't—they—they they just shoot like.
0: <laughs> there, there. Do you ever see that episode of The Simpsons where Homer had the gun? I uh, he was like opening beer bottles with his gun, like changing the oh. channel on the TV with his gun, like that. That's literally what the Marduk party is.
1: Yeah, like when the there's like a clown robot that comes out, and like there's mm-hmm. people running all over the place, and they're just unloading like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, they, they basically use like. I, I guess you could say like Duke red, like uses all this commotion to kind of like overthrow. Um, I guess, is he the president? Is that what he is? Yes. He's
0: yeah. Like a... uh, uh, yeah, he's pretty much the, the, I, for, I mean, yes, he's the president of metropolis, but I almost feel like he's more of like a mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like, like a, the mayor of a city, but what's up, uh, but you're absolutely right. Um, so this is where we start seeing like a lot of the political coup, like there. Like the president or the president's aide is like telling him, it's like, hey, you know, we really can have a case for treason against Duke, uh, Duke, excuse me, Duke, twisted T burps. Oh, against uh, Duke Red here, you know, we can go ahead and arrest him. And because right now he's, you know, he's a political threat to you. And you clearly see that Duke Red is trying to use th- this, uh, this robot uprising or the, the robots being out of control as just a way to pretty much put the Marduk party and himself in political like in 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 charge of metropolis
1: yeah he's already the richest guy in the city with the biggest building so might as well just exactly. take, take the whole thing over um, and he actually has a guy that's actually sided with him is it is his name general skunk is that his name
0: yeah, yeah, uh, Minister Skunk. Yeah, he's the minister. He's like the minister of state. So yeah, and like you know already off the bat, like when they're in when they're in the president's office, uh, talking, like you can just look at Skunk's face and tell that he's, you uh, know, definitely a, not on the president's side.
1: Clearly a bad guy. Um, yes. But yeah, he.
0: But um, no, go ahead.
1: He's actually like, <clears throat> is he the one? I can't remember if he pulls the trigger on, on the actual president, um, but. He he basically yes. like, reveals himself that he's working with the other side. Um, and then the president like, he
0: wants the war. He wants he literally wants the fucking he, he wants he he wants robots and humans just to straight up go into an all out war, which is what he knows is going to happen if Duke Red comes into power.
1: Yeah, we see actually like a little bit like a it's almost like a scene inside of his head. Where like it just like just flashes of like war scenes almost.
0: Oh yeah, and he just has like this shit eaten smile on his face. Um, now that doesn't come up until a little bit later. Um, it's really the next time we see them because right now they've put the they've put the plan in motion mm-hmm. to get the to to get Duke Red arrested. That's what they're trying to do. Um, and this is where um, you know Rock is going, and this is the scene where Rock is going down into the sewers. Um, and then, <laughs> now we're going back to. Uh, because what's really cool here, um, we see everybody in Zone 3, and they, um, to get away from Rock, they actually, um, Fifi uses, like, another, like, robot like her to hide Kenichi and Tima in, mm-hmm. like, this group of all of them, which is really, really cool.
1: Yeah, because while all this commotion is going on on the surface, Rock's chasing down Kenichi and Tima, and like you said, Fifi and the other robot, they hide Tima inside of them. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, I think it's to get past, like, a gate or... Yes. because because
0: yeah, one of the things they, they meant... And you're probably getting ready to say the same thing, so go ahead.
1: It's like there's, there's certain zones that certain robots can get into, but they got to have, like... I don't know if it's, like, a license-type thing. Um, it's like certain ones are allowed so far up on the surface, and then, like...
0: No, pretty much. You're absolutely right. Like, um, they're... they're Whatever job they do, they're they're regular, uh, relegated to staying in that zone unless they have like certain permits. But, uh, usually, and from what I, uh, I, I can't remember if someone says it if it's Paro or somebody else, but they're like, oh, it's a shoot on site. If you see a robot outside of their zone, it's just it's an immediate shoot on site, like immediate termination. They don't mm-hmm. they don't question it, they just kill the robot, yep. and uh you know we got this really great chase scene here uh Tima and uh while well, there uh, and um Kenichi running from Duke Red and one of his goons, not Duke Red uh rock and one of his goons they got this little street bike thing and you know him going down the stairs and again this allows us to see like just some more you know beautiful cityscapes here
1: yeah we get to see like a a, a bit a broader scope of the city um
0: yep and we're still kind of now what what I liked for that like we're we're on the surface but we're like not in the elite area like we're on almost like street level for some of this in metropolis like back alley kind of slumish but you're not underground but you're definitely in more of like the denser crowded part of the city Mm -hmm. where the you know the the disenfranchised people live you know the ones that have lost their jobs to the robots like this is where a lot of them live because you also see you know a lot of them they you know they're sitting they're huddled on um you know in groups on stairs um they don't have nice clothes um so this this is where like the middle class folk live which i again the 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 scenery in this movie is worth a thousand words um but they eventually crash into this junk heap and rock has all of his goons like searching and they're like he's not here and he's like that is that is the most unacceptable answer you could possibly give me. <laughs> um so keep looking
1: yeah and basically kanichi and tima they've kind of hidden like a like under a sewer grate type thing and like drops down mm-hmm. um and they they kind of meet up with like a a group of people but um before that it actually happens the the group of goons they hear like a it's like a radio is what it
0: is. Yeah, Tima picks up this little hand radio. It looks like almost like a radio from the Brave Little Toaster. Mm-hmm. And while she's holding it, it it just goes off. It starts playing music.
1: Yeah, so they so kind that of,
0: obviously alerts the goons.
1: Yeah, so they're on their trail. Um, but Kanichi and them they meet up with I don't even know what this group's name is.
0: Um, uh, but uh, they they're this is Atlas's group. Um, Atlas, that's it. That's and, the guy's name. Yeah, Atlas. And uh, when we see Atlas, we realize he's the person that saw Rock running from the laboratory. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the vibe you get from this group kind of right off the bat is they're just kind of this underground resistance movement. Um, what they're actually resisting, you don't really know quite yet. But, you know, he he obviously has a lot of questions. He's like, why is, uh, why is the Marduk party looking for you? Not just the Marduk party. Why is Rock looking for you,
1: Chris? You know what vibes I got from this? I got what? some straight up Final Fantasy VII vibes because I've yeah, already yeah. we already got this giant tower, mm-hmm. right? Just like like the Shinra building. Mm-hmm. You got the slums, this underground, like where the where like all this poverty and all this crime and like all this stuff. Like the only thing that's different is there's robots. Like yeah, like this no, group absolutely. reminded me is a little bit of Avalanche. Like they're like this, mm-hmm. like. Uh, I, I don't know. I just got like Final Fantasy vibes all the way around. Um, oh, no, absolutely! From this little section, um, and really throughout a lot of the movie. But continue.
0: No, absolutely. And um, so you you pretty much find out that Atlas, like they're just a revolutionary group. Like they're really, um, really just looking to change the world. And and the it, it kind of becomes a little more clear that they're going to do that by pretty much putting humanity back on top. Yeah, I think like they, they, they're they really just fighting for their for their their future, essentially.
1: Yeah. And I think they actually want to destroy the. Uh... The ziggurat. The ziggurat. Thank you. I was trying yes. to think of the building's name. Um, but they they basically give Kenichi and uh, Tima like a, a place to kind of lay low.
0: Yeah. After Kenichi lies to them, he says that his uncle is a reporter, um, yeah. a news reporter. Not a detective. He almost has a slip of the tongue and says detective. He's like, he's he's a reporter, and I'm his assistant. And we're and they're like, well, if you're, you know, he's he's a reporter's assistant. Which it almost seems like Atlas knows he's fucking lying, but just doesn't care. Which I think I feel like any time he can stick it to the Mardux is okay by him. Mm -hmm. Um, now the next scene I like how it kind of opens with a really cool cover of an old old like american folk song uh called the saint james infirmary blues it's like a folk song from from like the 20s um i don't know much more about it but it's just a very kind of bluesy folk song um and they do a cover of that in this. so again the soundtrack is just paying dividends for this movie and the aesthetic um and it, the, you, it sounds like the the music's coming from that radio that Tima is holding Mm -hmm. and she's still you know just blown away by the scope of the city and just just kind of in wonder about everything around her but just again really great animation like again this is a movie that could have no like no spoken word just music and the movie would be just as good
1: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely uh (laughs) But then the next day, uh, I believe this is where Kenichi ends up. He ends up reuniting with his uncle. Yep. Um, just just for a brief moment, which quickly interrupted by Rock, who's obviously he's hot on the trail. Um, and this, this is a I, I don't know if this is like one of the more iconic scenes of the movie, but um, I, I I at least thought it was. Um, this is where we find out that Team is actually a robot. Um, mm-hmm. and he actually ends up. Let's see. Rock shoots uh bond. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that that's not that's not quite that, yet.
1: That not yeah, yet? That's, Maybe. That's uh, not okay. Yeah, you're.
0: It, it, that that comes up here. Okay. That comes up here in a second. Because um, you know what, what happens Chris, after?
1: Chris, this is why you got the keys. All right, no, ch- that's all right. That's I, all right. I do I'm, the same thing. I'm backseat driving no, over here.
0: Because <laughs> we're actually, I mean, we're coming into really the final act of the movie. Um, you actually get here. Um you start hearing a little bit from Atlas about, you know, really what they're fighting for. They're, they're talking about like, you know, look at, look, just look at, you know, you got two or three families living in a room. There's no jobs. There's no schools. Um, you know, we're running out of food. Um, and since this ziggurat celebration, they've stopped giving out food rations. Like we're, we're all like, people are at the end of their rope. Like we're, you know we're, we're 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 hopeless and helpless down here. So and then of course you know he starts talking about you know what does ziggurat mean? It starts going about like the ancient Babylonian times and uh, you know how it has to do with like how the gods smote down the king because of his arrogance, creating you know the, these frivolous things. And that's that's what they want to do to Duke Red. Like they want to smite and just really just get this, just put the power back into the people. Like really get that you know like that wealth distribution back, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. He really, he compares the ziggurat to like the tower of Babel.
0: Yes, absolutely. And uh, then we have a scene here with, uh, which is really cool with um, Tima. She's actually uh, right. Learning how to write. So she's writing uh, Kenichi's name on paper. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I really like here, and you catch a glimpse of it, like you see like all around, you see pictures of like Shea Guerrera, like on the, on the walls and shit. So like, I, I really like these kind of real world tie ins that this movie has. I don't know if you noticed that in a bunch of the newspapers and on the wall. So
1: No, I didn't even notice that. That's awesome. Oh
0: yeah. But of course Tima's just writing this stuff all over. Um but also too, this is where we get a neat little um little little back alley dealing with Atlas and a a figure wearing a hat. Um, and this person's giving them information about the uh there's um there's a Marduk parade outside the ziggurat uh, on the final day of the celebration. Um, you know, you can take care of them then. And the president's going to make a speech denouncing Duke red. Um. So then what's going to, then president Boone's going to take control Um. and they're going to go ahead. And he's like, the Duke will be powerless. We'll go ahead and arrest him and everything will be good. Um, and they're, they're, they have these promises of, well, you know, you guys will, you know, you guys won't have to live off of rations and the person talking to him when he lights a cigar, it's the fucking president's aide.
1: Yeah. I think this is the guy that's actually voiced by Steve Blum, the same guy that did mm-hmm. Spike Spiegel, right?
0: I believe so. Yes. I, believe
1: I know he's one of these guys. Um, but yeah, no, continue. Then, I'm sorry.
0: Well, I was going to say, would you also get here like this? You find out like it's, it's also a revolution. It's getting robots out of here. Like they must go like this needs to be a revolution of humanity um so we're quickly realizing what's going on cuz Paros actually has this um ha- ha- he's taken this thing he's taking this thing off of a uh, off of a dead robot that tells him that you know all robots are going to perish you know there's going to be a revolution and he's like we got to be careful like robots need to hide um things are really about to pop off and this is where we're coming to where you're talking about like the um and of course there's a duck wearing a necktie And all this but uh we got the pitchforks, We got the flags we got the guns The uh The the, the revolution is getting ready to be Televised my friend so uh We've got um Bond and Perro are trying to they, They're trying to Get ahead of this get in front of this But It's, it's not going to happen Like they're trying to like there's the robots on the street They're trying to warn them it's like y'all need to get out of here Um but uh, Pero, uh, when the, the – the, uh, what am I trying to say here? Atlas and all his men are, like, lined up on the street. And Pero's like, hey, Bon, I need you to go back to the precinct. I need you to call for backup. Um, and he's like, well, you'll be, you'll, you're will be you going to be hurt if you stay here. And he's like, I'll be fine. Just go get backup. And this is where um, Pero just he – has, he has a little face-to-face with Atlas. And Atlas just blows him away. Pero just gets his head blown right the fuck off and the revolution has begun. They start storming the ziggurat, but Cody, things don't really go as planned because it cuts back to the president here. And this is where um, we find that Skunk has pretty much betrayed the president.
1: Yeah, he's basically Um, working with Duke Red the whole time.
0: Yep, because the president's sitting, uh, he's in his bathrobe, reading his paper, and he's like, well, do we want to go ahead and, uh, you know, the revolution's starting here. Uh, do you want to go ahead and release a statement? He's like, "Ah, oh, well, you know, it's, uh, you know, we'll wait till 3 o'clock, and we'll, you know, make an official statement after that. Um, and this is where uh, Minister Skunk rolls up and pretty much, pla- uh, I want to say he actually uh, places the president under arrest, because the Marduk's come, like, busting through the door, Um yeah, that, this is pretty much it. And then they go ahead and shoot the aide. Um, and this is where Skunk is—you know kind of reveals that he wants he wants to see, um, you know, he's a traitor to him, but he's not a traitor to history. Mm-hmm. And what I love when they shoot the aide, I don't know if you noticed when he gets shot, like a candle pops up behind his head. No,
1: I didn't even notice that. Just to like that.
0: signify that he's dead.
1: <laughs> no, I didn't even notice that one.
0: Yeah, it was really, really cool. And then, of course, they shoot the president. And this is where we have that weird scene with Skunk where he's just like, you know, like has like the, the Vietnam, what would be flashbacks for other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: um, like flashes
1: of war. Um, but go ahead.
0: Exactly. But now we're, where you were at, where they, uh, uh, Tima and Kenichi come up to the aftermath of this, this riot in the streets. And they, they find Pero's body. They find him dead. Um, and now martial law has come into effect. Duke red has pretty much seized control at this point. Um, Marduk's are in the streets. The army is in the streets. Um, his plan is all is coming to fruition. The only thing that he's missing is Tima. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, uh, while they're going through the streets, like you said, uh, bond is reunited with Kenichi. Um, he introduces Kenichi to, uh, he introduces Tima to, um, to bond. And we also see Atlas Atlas is pretty much on death's door. He's like, you know, we were set up. We were, this whole thing was just a ruse. We were used, uh, for, you know, what was going to be inevitable. And I think At- Atlas actually just dies right here on the sidewalk. Mhm. Cuz yeah. uh oh, and,
1: no, our, go ahead, and then our old buddy Rock shows up, of course. Cuz we got to have the whole <laughs> the whole cast here.
0: Yep, and uh he just fucking gives a uh, gives K- a twisted T knee to the fucking right to the solar plexus and he drops like a like a fucking sack of spuds.
1: That's right, and um, shoot, shoots Kenichi's uncle, Uncle Bon, obviously.
0: Yep, um, yep. and uh, and that's right, because Kenichi jumps Rock and knocks the gun out of his hand, and uh, Tima goes and picks up the gun. Mm-hmm. And Rock, being the coolest motherfucker, just picks up his shades and is like, you're not going to shoot me. Or if you're, just give me the gun. Or if you're going to shoot me, just fucking shoot me. You're not yeah. going to do it. Do it, you won't.
1: I was really hoping she would, but...
0: Yeah, but it's, uh, but it's interrupted by... Uh, by duke red wondering what the hell rock is doing and this is uh actually the first time duke red sees Tima outside of the laboratory Mm -hmm. um and he is you know and he's well first of all he's kind of excited to see her but then he just immediately turns to rock and is like what the fuck dude you said nobody survived and he pretty much rips off his marduk patch and says you're fucking out of here i don't want to see you again get out he pretty much kicks him to the curb but Rock had, Rock's reasoning was, is like, you know, nope, you shouldn't allow a robot to sit on the throne of power. You should. You should rule the city. You're, you're the one who's powerful, not, not some fucking robot. Mm-hmm. Which shows that Rock has absolutely no idea of what's going on. He just has this blind loyalty to Duke Red because Duke Red pretty much saved him from the streets. But now Duke Red is putting his ass right back out in those streets.
1: That's right. Duke Red sends him on his way and takes Tima and basically heads away to the ziggurat um obviously kenichi our boys took a knee to the chest took a twisted t and so he's oh, sure. he's out cold and uh they, they head off to the ziggurat
0: yep and uh so what we're seeing here is uh Tima is actually you know being treated relatively normally got she's got a keeper but she's also like writing constantly writing Kanichi's name all over the place uh bond actually goes back we cut to bond he's actually injured uh, he's alive not dead uh, you know alive and well runs over and sees that bond has been uh, not bombs that perro has been killed um then he we then this is him going back to a bar looking asking for a hot whiskey
1: yeah because they didn't have sake of course uh,
0: but. Mm-hmm. but yeah things are this is where things kind of start to culminate here so uh, back in Tima's room in the ziggurat, uh, her aide brings her a letter saying, hey, it's from someone named Kanichi. He wants to meet you, but it's actually Rock. Um, Rock meets her Rock wants to meet her to get a good look at her and also get rid of her finally because Rock is obviously kind of keeping it incognito. Um, and I want to say he like tases her with something and like her hair like shoots straight up and then she just like like deactivates essentially.
1: Yeah, he basically like wants to dispose of her, so he kidnaps and deactivates uh-huh.
0: her. <clears throat> yeah, But what I love here, so when he um when he kidnaps her, when he's got her back in his little thieves den for whatever he's trying to cut out of her, the door fucking busts open and my man Bond just takes fucking two fists of twisted tees right to rock and just beats the shit out of him. That's right. It's, don't, we don't even give him the honor of an on-screen ass whooping. You just see him come in. You see Rock like look fucking startled, and then you just see old fucking Bond just standing over top of him.
1: That's right. He had he had that hot whiskey, Chris. He's upset.
0: You know? Oh, dude, he was ready. He was <laughs> he was whiskey fighting drunk. He That's was right. ready.
1: And uh, yep. and then he he kind of takes it to like this hotel, um, basically type. Yeah, thing. the hotel coconut. That's right. And he breaks open old uh, Doctor Layton's notebook. And he,
0: yeah, and actually he figures out how to bring her back, and he has the heart-to-heart with her. He tells her that, yeah, you're a robot, but she, do- she doesn't believe it.
1: Yeah, and he like he builds this little thing that, obviously, using Dr. Layton's notebook, he builds this thing that like will help Tima determine the location of Kenichi, because Kenichi basically got taken. Um, yeah. And he's being held within the ziggurat, um, uh, obviously ca- captured by Duke Red and all them. Um, mm. So they figure out Kenichi's location because of Tima's yep, robotic she's, power she's, stuff.
0: Yeah, she's almost like a conduit, essentially. Like, she, uh, she's pretty much, like, hacking into the mainframe of the city here and, like, causes, like, a blackout. Uh, but she's like, oh, I know where Kenichi is. Mm-hmm. Which is, like you said, in the ziggurat. But, all, but while that's happening, looking, uh, you have the Marduk's out in this kind of little convoy looking for Tima. Um, and... They, they start to pinpoint where that signal came from that caused the blackout. But at that point, um, Bon and Kenichi, like, or Bon and uh, Team are like, oh, well, we've got to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they do. They, head, they they leave the Hotel Coconut, and uh, they head, well, they they go to head for the Ziggurat, but they are met outside of the hotel by Duke Red and the Marducks, and they're uh, they're immediately taken. And this is where we have that kind of detective moment where it's like, Haha, well, this is what had happened. This is where Dr. Lawton was involved, and you probably had a hand in his murder to make sure she was kept secret. hmm And Duke Red doesn't deny it. And he's just like, bring him in. And then we cut, uh, you know, they get captured, and we cut right to the ziggurat here, and we're brought right into this throne room that we keep hearing about. Um, excuse me, I twisted T. It went down too smooth, unfortunately. <laughs> but... Inside this throne room, uh, we have Kanichi, who is still, you know, he's he's pretty, uh, like like he's been like he's drowsy or beaten up. He he's he's, he's not all there. He's pretty loopy, and Tima is very very much uh, worried about him. <clears throat> yeah, and she, um,
1: she starts confronting Duke Red, basically about whether or not like she's a human or a robot or like what like basically her identity.
0: Yeah, and he's feeding her from the long end of the spoon. He's like, "Well, no, of course you're not human, but you're not like these other robots either. You're more than that. Like you, like you're you're gonna bring on like you, you are gonna change the world. Like you, you're you are like humans are inferior to you, and you know humans are ruled by emotions. You, you are, you are. Su- he actually says you are superhuman.
1: Yeah, and basically uh, that she's like set to wor- rule the world.
0: Yep. Um, Once from... she takes the throne, because mm-hmm. uh, what's going to happen is, and this is where Bond like kind of spills the beans. He's like, "Yeah, she's gonna. She sits on that throne. She's gonna merge and become a supercomputer that's actually going. She's gonna. That's going to destroy the world." And Duke Red's like, "Well, where did you get that information? How do you know that?" And he's like, "Well, I mean, I am a detective." And he throws the. Uh, he has the journal and he throws it at Duke uh, Duke Red's feet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. And he goes. He has Tima go ahead and um, wants her to change and sit on the throne. But we get another fucking twist. The aide, uh, her her little keeper, he starts ripping off her face, and it's fucking by God, it's rock.
1: Yeah, It's rock. That he's
0: son of a bitch, the Texas rattlesnake.
1: He's back, Chris. He, I don't know how he managed oh, man. to pull all this off in such a short amount of time, but he's created. Well, he
0: pulls off one hell of a bamboozle, doesn't he?
1: That's right. And he uh, he ends up shooting Tima like right in the chest, and it like.
0: Oh yeah. And he's still, he's still spouting that tired-ass shit, man. He's like, you don't need her. You should sit on the throne. Again, showing that he just clearly does not understand. But he pulls out his little Saturday night special, uh, turns around, and like you said, just shoots Tima right in the fucking chest before taking a bullet himself.
1: Yeah, he takes a couple shots. And then, Chris, yeah. this is where shit hits the fan.
0: Yeah, Tima, had, by getting shot now, she knows that she is not human. She's kind of having this moment of, like, this is that moment... Uh, almost like kind of blade runnery in a sense where you, the, the they realize that they are a machine that they are not human mm-hmm. um and she kind of kind of loses it here um and what ensues for the rest of the movie is well it's it's a, it's a visual tour to force like talking about it will not will not do what's going on screen justice. So I, just, I want to say that right off the bat. Like she sits on the throne and it starts to like fuse with her. Like um, some of her skin starts to melt away. Her pants actually melt away, which is kind of disturbing. Um, the throne room starts to fall away. Um, and of course this whole time can, uh, the, um, the robots uh, start kind of uprising here. Like this, this whole thing is, kind of backfiring because now Tima instead of destroying the robot she's pretty much like in 17 hours humanity's not going to exist anymore I'm you're all going to be wiped out you know this is this is humanity's punishment for toying with robots um it pretty much just gives them the countdown and what because what happens is her emotions integrate the emotions that she has which she actually shouldn't have but again it goes back to Her being a very unique creation from Dr. Layton, you know, a robot with emotions. That's a very, that is a very, very classic turn of the 20th century sci-fi trope. Like robots with emotions, what would happen? And it's that combining with like her, uh, with the computer interface, which is pretty much causing her to go crazy and become very like matter of fact. And just like, well, my anger is towards humans. It's pretty much going to destroy all of you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and. Our hero Kenichi um, is not one to give up, so he just charges right for the throne. um, And all that's left in the room now is just uh, Bon and Rock. And of course, Rock makes a very hasty exit out of the room. Um, And we're kind of pretty much for the next few scenes, you see uh, Kenichi trying to get Tima off the throne. And of course, he's actually getting like shocked by this uh, this electric current that's around and he doesn't care he's not giving up he's trying to pull her off this throne is like it's fusing with her her hair's melting away her skin's falling away and he's just and what sucks is he he gets her away off the throne but she's now she's trying to kill him um and this is where this is kind of the um you know they're up at the higher the high levels of the ziggurat and she's like trying like pretty much trying to kill him and he's like you know Tima, it's me, it's Kenichi. Like, what are you doing? You know, you don't have to do this. You know, the typical, you know, it's a very stereotypical, very uh, cliched kind of thing. But then we're, we cut back to Duke Red, where he's actually being surrounded uh, by these working-class robots that are pretty much, you know, they've been, they've, they've come up through the ziggurat. Uh, they're in the room with Duke Red. And this is where... Um, you know, you start seeing them throwing the do- The robots just throwing the doctors down this precipice, and they're about to do the same to Duke Red. And you see like tears coming down his face. Before Rock actually bursts in the room, uh, Bloody. You know, definitely uh, not in a good way here. Um, and mm-hmm. what happens here, Cody is probably my favorite part in the whole movie. He uh, he hits some kind of self destruct button, and when we see the explosion, like in his die in his dying, uh, his his dying. Act is protecting Duke Red, the, the father figure that shunned him, kicked him out to the street, but all but again, blind loyalty to this man. And when we hit the explosion, what comes across the audio, Cody, is not, you know, a loud earth-shattering kaboom, but it's the sweet, soothing sounds of Ray Charles' version of I Can't Stop Loving You, which is also my favorite Ray Charles song of all time.
1: Yeah. It's a great song and definitely unexpected. Dude. If, if like I hadn't known about it before, I wouldn't have never saw that coming. Um, Absolutely. But, but yeah, rock says he's not going to let his father die at the hands of these filthy robots hits the button. And then the song kind of really takes us through this final act of the film.
0: Yeah. Like the, the last, uh, the climax where pretty much the ziggurat is exploding and crumbling around them. And, and, Kenichi, bless his heart, is still trying to save Tima, um, while the the structure is um, collapsing around them. And I, I, what's so great is like the music's playing. Like I, I'm actually getting a little like teary-eyed just thinking like, th- this is such a beautiful, beautiful scene. Um, and the music is so fitting to what's going on. Um, and I love how just Kenichi is just not giving up and. We have this scene where like um, she's like dangling she, one of the tubes is still like stuck to her and she's dangling um, between these two girders and Kenichi's trying to pull her up um, and what happens here he gets her and uh, grabs her by the hand and as they're um, as as you know he's got a grip on her she she actually says his name mm-hmm. um, but while that's happening he's losing the grip and she slips out. And you see her falling, uh, pretty much to her death. Um, right. As that happens, the rest of the uh, the rest of the Ziggurat is crumbling, and you start seeing sections of the city. Like again, the first thing that gets hit is a lot of the elite sections. so this stuff is crumbling. the The surface is falling down into Zone One. So, like, just such an amazing. Such an amazing scene. We see the fall of the ziggurat. So really what Atlas was trying to do ended up happening anyway. Not really the manner that he hoped it would. And, you know, he didn't live to see it happen, but it did. Um, And then the next day, we kind of have the aftermath. The city is in ruins. Um, But we're back to that whimsical, like, jazzy tune that it plays. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got people, looks like, checking for survivors. Um, You've got robots, looks like some of them are looking to clean and clear the debris out. Um, the vibe, i they don't kind of outright say it here, but, like, the vibe I get here is you're going to start seeing a little bit more harmony between humanity and robots. Like at least that's the vibe that I'm getting.
1: Yeah, that's, that's what I got, too. Um, um
0: and, and you we, also have, so, no, go ahead, please. And then we
1: see our boy Kenichi, he's, he's kind of, like, searching through the ruins, um.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, because we, we know what he's looking for. He, uh, he's trying to find, see if Tima had survive the fall i mean knowing that she's a robot the, the probability of her surviving that fall is very very high um and he sees a robot with a piece it was the 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 tube that was that she was holding on to that was connected to uh, a piece of uh the throne he finds it and he's like he sees it he's like hey where did you find this and what i i love this scene too because old fucking fifi who had been blown away by rock earlier in the movie has uh Survive. <laughs> he he has a piece of uh of Tima. and not just any piece. He has her heart, mm-hmm. which I think is really really cool. You see a robot pull, roll up with like her shoes. Another one has her fingers, um, and what I like here is they all start saying Tima, and which the thing that gets the thing that I get out of this is Tima, when she uh, merged with the throne, she. I I feel like a part of her ended up in every machine in metropolis. So while she, her physical form may be gone. Like she's not forgotten. Like she was on, cause one of the scenes earlier kind of ties into this. Like when she was standing up in the building, people were looking up at her like, Oh, she looks so angelic. Um, so she's almost become almost godlike to these robots. And she's like, her consciousness has now become a part of them. Um, and of course he gets miss idea he, uh, he sees his old uncle bond. I don't know how the fuck he got out of there so quickly, but uh he, he can seems like he can move when he has to when he, when you have whisk I don't know about you Cody, Uh, whiskey induced speed. <laughs> that'll that'll get you wherever you're trying to go. Yeah, I'm not um, sure. How,
1: they both survive somehow, but uh
0: yeah, unscathed no less. Um and so the last scene here before the movie closes out is uh Kanichi actually wants to stay in Metropolis and help rebuild. Um so pretty much uh bond goes back to japan you see him on get on his plane and you see kanichi stay and help the robots and the last scene of the movie pans down um to a to uh the radio the team is radio and um i gotta find what it actually said it comes on and actually says uh i
1: want to say it says um, who am i
0: yeah i think it says who am i it it's Ken- like uh, it's Kenichi like team or...
1: it's team's voice,
0: though. yeah yeah team of voice coming through the radio and i believe it says who am i i mm-hmm. think you're right yep uh let me just double check because yeah, like it plays like the static and then yeah it says who am i in Tima's voice and then uh roll credits cody yeah but chris
1: apparently there's a post credit scene
0: uh, a yeah. post-credits
1: image chris where uh Kenichi oh, can, can be seen have you known about this
0: I have not known about this post credit. I, I, I mean don't oh, I don't think I'm actually this, looking at I don't think this is right
1: on my version. Um, but there is a post credit image where Kanichi can be seen in front of it's like Kanichi
0: and Tima.
1: Robot repair detective shop.
0: Detective agent? was it say? Robot what?
1: Repair shop apparently.
0: No shit.
1: So it seems how like how great is that. It seems like he's repaired Tima and like all is good. Um Cody, in my entire
0: 20 years, I have never seen that before.
1: It's not in my version of the movie. I saw it on Wikipedia, and I was like, what? I'm like, what? Yeah, I saw it just now. It's like like, a
0: black... It's like a photo. But then,
1: yeah, then I went to, like, the fandom page, and I'm like, it says it, too. I'm like, why is it... I I don't know if it's on, like, certain DVDs, or maybe it's like... I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I have to do to see this, other than Google, obviously.
0: Yeah, no, that's actually really cool. I had never seen that before, either.
1: But like you said... Cody... then the oh, credits roll, or then the rest of the credits roll, obviously. And uh, we get another, like, awesome song that plays during this time. Um, oh, which, yeah. Like, the, th- the theme of the movie.
0: Yep, I can't, I can't remember the name of it. It actually has a really, like, cool name. Like, the... I
1: It's There Will Never Be Goodbye.
0: Yeah, There Will Never Be Goodbye. There Will Never Be a Goodbye or something like that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say I Can't Stop Loving You, but that's literally not it. That's the Ray Charles song. Yeah. <laughs> all right so cody that is osama tetsuka's metropolis um i still absolutely love this movie with every fiber of my being i cannot recommend this movie enough and i was actually so scared after samurai shampoo that i would not remember this movie as fondly thank god i was wrong
1: yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it um once again, it's another reason I'm glad to have you on the podcast because you can show me some of these older ones that I've never never even heard of before this. Um, I really enjoyed it from top to bottom. I thought the story was good. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the animation was really good. Some of those like big city shots and obviously the final ending scene. We can't really do it justice um, just by talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's something really, really special. Uh, and then obviously, the, of course, the music is a- always top-notch.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, th- this is... To me, honestly, Cody, this is a perfect movie. This is an. I, I think it's a a. It's a. This is a movie that if you if there's somebody who, says like, oh, I I, I like that you, you Hacky show, or <laughs> they they know what anime is, but they think it's all like nerdy and just real fucking. It's all like tentacle porn and just weeds. Right. <laughs> this is a movie that you can show somebody who, <clears throat> like this is a movie that I could show my wife who doesn't give two shits about anime and I know she would like it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Like
0: this is, this is the movie you show to your friends who don't like it. And I'm, I, this isn't somebody, and I mean that in a sense that they don't give a shit about anime. You just show them this movie and it, it'll put them on notice. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But, I think this movie, I think it's fantastic. So, Cody, with that being said, this movie has actually dethroned Cowboy Bebop as the number one on my list.
1: Is that right, Chris? This
0: is <laughs> it, it, it is right. My uh, p- slide everything down a notch. Metropolis going right on top.
1: So, correct me if I'm wrong, but I got your rankings at Metropolis on as number one. Bebop, mm-hmm. Totoro, Eight Men After, Afro mm-hmm. Samurai Resurrection, and then of mm-hmm. course, Seven Deadly Sins. Whatever that whatever that movie's called.
0: Yeah, the old the old the old the old Bumba Bumba fuckaroo, whatever you want to call it. But yes, that is absolutely correct. So, but Cody, like, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Where does it go on your rankings?
1: Well, Chris, I'm gonna put it right in the middle. Um, Okay. Totoro is still my number one, and Mm -hmm. I I think Bebop. I just I really enjoy that movie. Um, Sure. But I put it right at number three. It was tough Mm -hmm. toss up between Eight man After and Metropolis, and I think. When I give these movies as much attention as I've given, like Totoro and Bebop, maybe the list will change somewhere down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely put it above Eight Man After. Um, not that Eight Man After was bad or anything, but I think this movie just, animation-wise, story-wise, music-wise, it be- it just beats it in every category.
0: Absolutely, this this is a movie that I could not only could I sit down and watch it, but I could also throw it on as background noise. But it, that that's a dangerous proposition because what will most likely happen is I will start watching it.
1: <laughs> that's right.
0: Um, yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, I, I, I can't I'm, recommend this movie enough, man. I just can't. I absolutely can't. It's so great.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely glad I have it on DVD. I need to check out some of, like the special features because I think they have like some interviews and stuff like the directors and all that stuff. Yep. So.
0: Yes, I, I'm glad you said that because this is a movie. I think if whether you're a digital purist or you love having physical copies on a shelf this is a movie that needs to be in physical form on your movie shelf in your movie collection. It is that good. It is absolutely that good. And I think it's just that important of a anime movie. I don't, I just, I, I can't, I don't think describing this movie does it any justice you have to watch it and you can watch it with the sound on, or you can watch it with the sound off and do it silent film style. And Uh, to me that's part of the magic of this movie because it does draw heavily inspired heavily by a silent film you can watch this movie on mute and know exactly what's going on Mm -hmm. it's that beautifully done
1: yeah it's definitely one i I will for sure be recommending to any of my like animated friends that don't listen to the podcast particularly or anything like that um Mm -hmm. just a good movie all in all
0: um absolutely absolutely but with that being said cody this is the last cast of 2020, and we made the executive decision. Uh, we are going to open 2021 with Blood of Zeus. We're fucking doing it. We don't care. We, we love you all, but God damn it, we need to watch this show. We, we've let it sit on our fucking queue for six months or longer. How long has <laughs> it been out? Six months? Around a few months? Maybe six months? I don't know. Time? Sure. I don't understand time anymore.
1: Yeah, time is out the window. I almost feel like we're like the Skip Bayless in that meme video where he's like, it's my turn.
0: Yes. (laughs) God damn it. He said it was my my turn. turn. (laughs) Yes. Um, That is exactly what we are.
1: So it is blood of Zeus's turn. Um, Obviously, we're going to finish the whole show up next week. So Chris, that means we got to do another, uh, we got to set up another poll to go up.
0: Yes. um, So to stay ahead of the curve, Cody, I've got my two uh, nominations. I'll go ahead and read them off to you if you like.
1: Yeah, I'd like to hear it. I know you mentioned one earlier.
0: Yeah, one uh, X nineteen ninety nine as a series that I have seen, okay, and a series I have not seen, but I c- keep hearing good things about it, and I keep seeing pictures of it. Uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, Doro he mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably saying that wrong, but like I see the people with the weird eyes and the the, the giant reptile. Oh my man, fucking Reptar! I'm in. <laughs> that that's and I haven't seen it. It's been on my queue. Um, I was going again. This is much like many other animes on my on in, in my streaming queues. I ha- I've intended to watch them, but then we started doing this podcast, so now it puts them on the shelf to be watched later.
1: Yeah, it's weird. It almost feels like we're not watching like a lot of anime, but we're actually covering quite a bit. Like I don't, I don't yeah. know. It's weird. It's like I'm watching anime, and then I'm like, oh, I also want to watch this anime. And like mm-hmm. oh, I should just yeah. really save that. It's a,
0: it's a weird paradigm shift, that's for sure.
1: I'm like, man, I haven't watched enough anime this week, and then I'm like, wait, I watched 13 episodes of Shampoo, or like,
0: <laughs> exactly, I'm like
1: I'm watching plenty, like more than the the average person, right?
0: Yeah, wow. absolutely.
1: So we got X 1999
0: and Doro he Doro. That's right, and it's it's actually it's actually spelled phonetically D O R O H E D O R O.
1: Now, can you tell us any little bit about this X nineteen ninety nine? Why you suggested that? Yes, so
0: I haven't seen it in a while, so Mm -hmm. I I do have the small worry that it might not hold up. But what I understand is it takes place during like the pretty much the end of days, and there's like two warring like groups of like they're they're like almost like gods essentially, but they um pretty much they're deciding the fate of humanity. There's like Something of the of the dragon clan and something of the water. Um, it takes place in modern times. It actually, takes place in nineteen ninety nine. Um, that's about all I remember. It's been a very very long time since I've seen it. Interesting. And yeah. this was one of those ones. This was like one of those animes that uh, I rented um, from the there was the narrow theater where I saw a lot of most of my anime in theaters. They had a video store attached to it. Um, called Narrow Expanded Video. They had a monster anime selection. Like, I started watching this around the same time as Record of Lotus War. Um, and I remember watching this one, but I kept going back to Record of Lotus War. I kept going back to it. Um, and I saw this one, like, once, and then I was like, this is really good, but I really want to watch Record of Lotus War again. So I bought I actually bought the series from, like, a Suncoast. Um, and then I watched it once, and then I moved, and I I think I think I had given or let a friend of mine borrow it, and I moved away and never got it back. So it was one of those things. It's a very tra- it's a very tra- it's like you know it's like Darth Plagueis the Wise. It's a very tragic story.
1: Yeah, yeah, it looks interesting. I'm looking at some like still shots of it. Um...
0: it it's it's very good. It is very very good. And again, this is from a. I hope I'm not coming from a place of nostalgia. This is one that not a whole lot of people know about it, but I maybe more people do than I realize. Um, I, I do remember it being very dark, um, kind of, kind of ominous in a sense. Like it was, it was. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. But we'll see. We'll, yeah, we'll like see it, how we'll see if like it holds it, the test of time.
1: Looks like it's also known a lot as X, just straight up X. Yes. Um, yep, at least the anime is. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it looks it looks very interesting. Um, so those are your picks. We got X nineteen ninety nine and Doro Hidoro. Yep. And then for my picks, I'm once again nominating Castlevania as the one I yep. have seen.
0: Damn good choice.
1: Um, I would have liked to do it before Blood of Zeus, but I'm I'm way too like I just want to get into Blood of Zeus so I can see what it's all yes. about. Um, but it's obviously like I think they're made by the same animation studio maybe same
0: studio same guy i think the same guy created it
1: okay yeah yeah we'll we'll figure all that out in the the tail of the tape next week that's right uh, and then for the one i haven't seen i'm going to nominate from way back when on another poll i nominated this and it's japan sinks 2020 which is another uh netflix anime um i think it's only like 10 8 or 10 episodes so it's another short one excellent um so those are our four picks guys if you want to Stay up to date with us and vote along. You can vote on Facebook. I'll make a poll there or uh, post, and then you can comment down below. And then, um, as well, on, on our Twitter page. And those are both at Shonen and Suds. Um, and then, Chris, before we wrap up today, you know, we had a big, a big day just passed recently. Um, yeah,
0: it was... I believe uh, I believe it was the the, the 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 season of Christmas, the holiday known as Christmas.
1: That's that's wrong, right, um, Chris.
0: So a merry belated Christmas, Uh, happy holidays of all walks of life. For those, you know, we celebrate what you celebrate, um, and I hope you enjoyed it. That's the important thing. I hope you had a good one.
1: That's right. We hope you got all your all your trucks and dinosaurs, right? All
0: the trucks and dinosaurs that you asked for.
1: That's right. And uh, we wish you guys a happy New Year coming up.
0: Yes, indeed. But Chris, happiest of New Years.
1: Let's talk about Christmas. Did you did -hmm. you get did you get everything you wanted? Did you get any? Get any anime gifts? Anything anime related?
0: You know, I didn't get any anime related gifts. Um, and I didn't really ask for any either. Um, the older I've gotten, like, I don't really ask for anything. Um, so I just kind of get stuff. And it's like, oh, new pillows. Yeah, I fucking love those. I'll take them. Um, what else, what else, I got some uh, storage boxes for all my nerd cards. I was like, I really needed these. Thank you so much. Like, I just get things that people, maybe I'll, maybe I'll say I want something in passing and I don't realize it and they are like oh you you said you wanted these like six months ago and i'm like okay yeah you're absolutely right i'll take them love that but yeah yeah that's kind of how it is we had no anime gifts this year um you know and that's something i i never kind of think to look at like i never think to look at like Funko pops or like the, my hero statues or anything like that. Like I, I, it always slips my mind. Cause Cody, I'm the type of person when you ask me what I want, I immediately turn stupid and I <laughs> don't know what anything is.
1: And it happens to the best of us.
0: Yeah. What do you want for Christmas? Uh, uh <laughs> I'm like Ralphie sitting on Santa's lap in a Christmas story. A uh, nice <laughs> football. Yeah. Football. That's the one I want. <laughs> Well, That's Chris, literally me when somebody asks me what I want. But Cody, what about you, bud?
1: Yeah, most anime things uh, I usually end up buying myself because I—I mean, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, Cody from Cody, I'm huh? so impatient with things. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, like the movie Metropolis, I bought that for myself, obviously. Um, nice. Uh, but I did get a couple Funko Pops from some of my friends. I got a got a new Piccolo, got a new Majin Buu from Dragon Ball Z. Nice. Uh,
0: Love that.
1: Yeah, I think those yeah, are probably like the only anime. Related gifts I got? I'm trying to think.
0: Nice. I need more of My Hero pops. I like I'm just such a fucking sucker for that show. God damn it. Season five is right around the corner. I can taste it. I've actually that's actually one, even though we're watching um animes, I, I've I'm watching My Hero kind of like as that's like my background show. I'm just I'm just going back through all the episodes. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of my background show, which of course when that show gets nominated and we watch it, I will be so ready.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one we'll have to eventually nominate because we've we'll have to get ahead of the curve at some point because that's I feel like the show's just going to go on and on and on.
0: It's just going to keep getting bigger. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's going to go from like eighty episodes, and then then eventually it'll be a year down the road, and we'll be like, all right, well, there's two hundred episodes, guys,
0: and <laughs> yeah, they're are going to be staring down the barrel of a one piece situation. That's right. Um, yeah, we don't want that.
1: Yeah, I got quite the collection of My Hero Pops coming together now. So.
0: Oh, nice. Which ones? Do, which ones do you got? Which ones do you got?
1: Oh man, oh. I got. Let's see. I'm trying to think of how many All Might's I have.
0: Oh, wow. I have a
1: few. I have, like, school or, like, classroom All Might. I have Silver Age. Is it Age. the one
0: where he's, like, stepping into the classroom? Because I have that one, too.
1: It's He's got, like, the yellow suit on? Uh,
0: he's. I've got the one with, like, the red suit and, like, the blue cape. Where, like, when he stepped into the classroom in Season 1 and he had his arms, like, behind him. Like, he's kind of like Naruto running, but he's, like, oh, on his tiptoes. Is it the Silver Age All Might? Yes, yeah. I've got Silver Age All Might.
1: Yeah, I've got... Two of those. I have the regular and the metallic one. I uh-huh. have uh, the one where he's in the yellow suit. I have, like, one of his various, like, uh, like power-down versions. <laughs> nice. And then I have, let's see, I have All for One. Nice. Oh, God. That one's so I have... Oh, I don't want to get all the names confused. I have Battle Deku from Hot Topic. Uh-huh. I have... Who's the bird guy? Is it Toriyami? Uh,
0: Tokiyami. 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 yeah.
1: I have him. I got the shirt bundle with that. Oh, nice. Um, I got the Tenya shirt bundle.
0: Oh, nice.
1: I got a lot, man. Oh, I have uh, Bakugo in his hero suit. It's like a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive one. It's worth quite Ooh, nice. a bit of money. It's pretty painful. Love that. Um, and then I have the the newer Aizawa, pop, like the Shoto Aizawa, or... Is that his name, Shota Aizawa? Yep, his first name? Uh, yep. Their teacher. Um, yep. I got him. I got a few others. I can't think of them off the top of my head. but uh,
0: yeah. my, my list up- is a little bit easier. I've only got three. I've oh, got the good. All Might. That's, oh, yeah, I've got, that's
1: great, Chris. Yeah.
0: I've, I, I want more than that. I've, yeah, I've got Silver Age All Might. I've got Hero Costume Izawa with, like, his hair standing up. Like, he's got the goggles on and his hair standing up.
1: Yeah, that's the one I, that's the one I have, yeah.
0: Nice. And I've got uh, Mirio Togota.
1: Oh, I'm jealous of that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've got the Mirio one. He's got the his class uniform on with, like, his arms crossed in front of him. That's my favorite one.
1: Yeah, Funkos are dangerous, man. There's a, a lot of money fun. that can go into them. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, they just keep making great anime into Funko Pops. And
0: yeah. And those are, like, I look at those three. I think I got those three first um, because they're my favorite heroes. Mm-hmm. Like, Mirio's my favorite character. Aizawa's was probably my favorite teacher, and I think All Might's just a just a really great character in general.
1: Yeah, it's crazy how much that show has like grown on me, honestly. From like oh my, my first impressions of not really like seeing what all the fuss was about. Now I like
0: Oh, I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, now nah, I just can't
1: wait for the next season.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. But of course, that's a whole nother episode on its own. But uh, Cody, before we, uh, uh, I guess before we wrap up, do you have anything else for us today? Any, uh, any, any, anything on your brain? Anything on your chest other than the heartburn I'm going to get from the twisted tea that I just drank?
1: No, well, I think that's it, Chris. Uh, we just want to wish everybody a happy New Year. Uh...
0: Absolutely, stay safe out there, people. Um, you know, we are still in a pandemic. Um, if you do want to go out, uh, you know just limit your interactions, please. We don't. I, I want, I want to be able to go out and see people in person and obviously PSA, don't drink and drive.
1: That's right. And, uh, if you guys do go out in public, make sure you always keep a, a twisted T on your hip, you know, uh, just no. some, somebody gets out of line, you got to crack them, you know,
0: that's right. And, uh, talk about cracking cold ones. Am I right? That's right. God, absolutely. keep that thing on your hip, but, uh, That's all I've got uh, this week. Until next time, I'm Chris Adams.
1: And I'm Cody Snigress.
0: And thank you, thank you so much for listening. Take care. And watch Metropolis. That's right. (laughs)